Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. When you put your money in a checking or savings account, your bank lends that money to all sorts of things. They give out loans for someone's house or for a small business. But banks also lend money to other things like mining projects, oil drilling, and power plants, all of which contribute to climate change. In fact, having just $1,000 in savings with major banks like Chase, Wells Fargo, or Bank of America can indirectly have the same climate impact as flying from New York to Seattle. Now that is according to a new report looking into the power of personal banking to save the planet from Project Drawdown. That's a group of scientists and researchers working to shift the narrative about climate change from doom and gloom to solutions. So here to discuss how being intentional with your deposits can slow the warming planet is Todd Rubold, Communications Director of Project Drawdown. Hey Todd, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here with you today. Also here in studio is Karen Weigert, Reset's sustainability contributor and director of Loyola University Chicago's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Good to see you, Karen. Hey, Sasha. Help us understand the power of where you bank, Karen, just, just simply the power of where you have your money held. It's pretty remarkable, actually, because the beauty of banking is that they take your deposits and the banks then lend them to organizations that are trying to grow. And so the power of your deposits is where you put them supports the lending of whatever institution has your deposits and that can scale the kinds of projects that they are financing and supporting. So while you're sleeping, your deposits are working. Yeah. They're working in the loans. And, and Todd, as we get into this conversation, it's not about doing just one thing, right? You're not just thinking about personal banking as one piece of the puzzle uh, addressing climate change. Uh, that's something we're seeing is that more and more people want to take action around climate change. And, you know, we tend to think of the things that are right in front of us, like how do I get to and from work or what am I having for dinner or how am I powering my house? Am I using LED lights? But banking is something that has a huge impact on the environment and on the climate, too. And I think it's not on a lot of people's radars. We're used to making consumer choices that have a tangible impact. So things like driving less, reducing food waste, making our homes more energy efficient. But Project Drawdown, you're making the case for thinking, us thinking about indirect and financed forms of, of carbon emissions. So I want you to help us make that distinction. What are these indirect forms of carbon emissions and, and why is this an important thing to consider? Yeah, that's a really important distinction to make. And so maybe just a quick example, you know, if I take my car to the local fill-up station, I fill it up with gas and then I drive down the street, the tailpipe emissions coming out of my car then, those are direct greenhouse gas emissions directly from me, from my vehicle. Uh, but when I put my money in the local bank, the bank may use that money to finance oil and gas development or finance heavy industry. I'm a step removed from those emissions. So those are indirect emissions. Um, but oftentimes we're just counting those direct emissions in terms of our you know, household and individual greenhouse gas emissions we might be contributing. But we're making the case that indirect emissions, especially as it relates to banking, are a really huge part of the puzzle when it comes to solving climate change. How does Project Drawdown define carbon intensive versus carbon responsible banks? Yeah, that's a good question too. So carbon intensive banks tend to be ones that use our money, so your money, my money, all of the listeners' money here, to finance and loan to um, you know to companies that are you know doing oil and gas development, oil and gas drilling, um, to heavy manufacturing to mining, to utilities, you know, that, that, type of, uh, that, that type of industry. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, a climate responsible bank 
is a bank that's loaning to things like the development of renewable energy or energy efficiency projects or preserving and protecting nature and biodiversity. So that's kind of the spectrum that we look at when we think about carbon intensive banks over on one end and then climate responsible banks on the other end. And that stat that I mentioned in the intro, Karen, that having $1,000 in savings has the same impact as a flight from New York to Seattle. First of all, I had to take a second to wrap my head around what that means. What did you make of it? Well, like you, I found it to be a pretty stark example of the impact. But the thing it really illuminates is, in fact, that impact and the idea that banks essentially take the deposits and then they can loan out like eight times that much money for your deposit. So it essentially expands the impact. So it really does shine the light back on the power of deposits mm -hmm. and the power is deployed wherever those loans are ultimately going. And Todd, the other one that really had my jaw dropped, this was that moving $8,000 from a big carbon intensive bank to a carbon responsible bank, that can have double the impact on reducing emissions than adopting a vegetarian diet can have. Yeah, and just back to the flight uh, uh, comparison for one second too, given your listeners, there are so many, so many of them in Chicago. I did, I ran the numbers for Chicago too. So it's, it's like the equivalent of a round trip ticket from Chicago to uh, Dallas. And if an average person has, like you said, $8,000, you know, in checking or savings account, that's like eight round trip uh, trips back and forth to Dallas in a year. Wow. Um, and you think, think about it, like we could switch our money if we wanted to in an hour or two in an afternoon compared to eight round trip flights in a year. So it's a huge impact when it comes to, uh, comes to the environment. Yeah, the report compares direct and indirect forms of emissions here as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's really important distinction, I think, within this report that is a little bit different than some other reports that have come out before this one. What would you say to someone listening, Todd, who, who doesn't think it's fair to compare these direct and indirect forms of emissions? Because it's not quite apples to apples, right? Yeah, it's not quite apples to apples, but I think that, you know, it's good for us to consider, you know, the full spectrum of emissions. You know, it's, it's not just about, you know, what I do around my home, but how my money is, you know, causing other issues in the world related to climate change. Um, but there's maybe another layer to your question too here about, is this really on the individual though? And I think that, you know, we have a role to play in addressing climate change as individuals, as households, but we also need to demand that the larger system changes. And that's part of what we're trying to see in this report too, is that we want more transparency from the banks. We want more disclosure about how they're taking our money and they're using it to invest in, you know, um, some of these industries that may be driving climate change. Your group's report, it's based on publicly available data. What are the limits of this data, Todd? Is there anything that yeah. could be missing? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a concern that it's based on publicly, publicly available data, external disclosures from these banks. Um, but what we've seen is there's a movement in this country that's actually quite positive. Um, so at the moment, there are roughly 4,000 banks in the United States, give or take a few. And as of last year, about 10% of those banks, so around 450 of them, have signed on to something called the Partnership for Carbon Accounting Financials, where they're being more transparent about their indirect emissions, their financed emissions that they might be supporting in terms of uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So we're seeing a movement in that direction, but um, you know, for you and I and listeners today, as consumers, we need to demand more transparency. We need more clarity around how and where our money is being used when we put it in the bank. Now, our producer uh, was at a coffee shop 
talking about this topic, and, and someone at her table actually said to her that he recently moved his money from a big bank. Let's listen to Colin Young. I read about the impact that the big banks had on climate, and I decided to join a credit union. Um, and the credit union's specific mission is to invest in fossil fuel-free investments. Um, and they even have a calculator on their website that shows you how much you might offset by joining. So he banks with Clean Energy Credit Union. Todd, I understand that this report actually inspired you to move your money. So talk about your experience. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, I'm someone who's worked in climate for a couple decades now, and I was in the back of my mind thought, oh, I should probably look into my bank and what, you know, the connection to climate change is there. But this report really spurred me to take action. So I went to my local branch. I sat down with one of the bank managers there, asked him a few questions. And in the report that we published, we go through a list of questions that we encourage people to ask. You give, know, give us some examples. Terms, yeah, sure. So questions like, what is the bank doing in terms of, you know, not funding fossil fuel expansion? Or are they increasing their disclosure of um, financed emissions? You know, that sort of thing. Or are they increasing investments in climate solutions like renewable energy and other proven technologies? So we had a conversation about that. Um, I left that conversation feeling like, okay, the time is right to make a move now. Um, one thing I will say for your listeners, though, um, that I learned is that give yourself a little bit of time to make that transition. I mean, you can move your money in an hour or two if you really want to, but the way our lives are kind of intertwined with our banks nowadays, it makes sense to give your time to figure out, give yourself time to figure out where am I using online banking or auto, auto bill pay, you know, those kind of things. So we opened an account in one of the other banks that, um, that I researched and found to be a better fit for us. And we're in the process now of, of moving over to that new bank. Yeah, and on that note, it's important to note that uh, engaging the bank rather than just moving money is important, yes, right? Abs abs yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could just walk into the bank or go online and move your money um, without even letting them know. But letting them know really sends a powerful signal that, you know, this is an issue that you care about. You're concerned with, you know, the bank's connection to climate change. Mm -hmm. And so it definitely sends a signal that I think is important. So, um, and it's something to remember in all this. Um, you know, it can be a little bit uncomfortable asking these questions of your bank, but this is your money. <laughs> you know, this, right. is, this is our money. We have a right to know what's being done with our money. You're right about that. Well, you know, Karen, right. a person wouldn't have to move all of their money, right? In the core of this is where your deposits sit. And so many banks, in fact, all banks really are looking for deposits. It's critical to the way they're underlying business model works. So if one option is to engage your bank and if the if the bank is making more solutions available that are in line with with what someone's interested in, fabulous. If they're less available to make those sorts of changes, you can actually move some of your deposits. So that disentangling of all of our modern financial lives if, if those for those of us who are lucky enough to have a banking system, uh, it can be a little harder as Todd was saying to move every transaction and all of your auto deposits, etc. But you can move a chunk of your deposits mm -hmm. and that can actually help drive the change that you're hoping to see by putting it in an institution that's really aligned with where you want to go. Let's bring in another voice here. This morning, I sat down with Kimberly Jones. She's the Community Engagement Director for Self-Help Federal Credit Union, which serves Illinois, Wisconsin, California, and Washington. Now, she works out of the Chatham branch here in Chicago. She says that there's definite interest in money-moving campaigns. We have clearly benefited from those campaigns where people who really care about aligning their banking with their values, we see a lot of influx of 
potential depositors who want to place their money with us. As I like to quote my former colleague, Ebony Perkins, if you care where your money sleeps at night, credit unions and community development banks are very much an option. Most credit unions, if not all credit unions, are actually nonprofit organizations. Right. And so we don't have, you know, traditional shareholders in the sense where a larger for-profit financial center might have. So our owners are actually our members. You know, we want to be great stewards of our members' funds. So we make sure that the money that we lend actually circulates and stays in our communities. Now, as for how the money stays in communities, Kimberly says self-help prioritizes affordable housing lending and taking on environmental issues. We don't finance fossil fuel extraction. We're expanding our greening finance options to actually help reduce energy burdens in communities we serve. 60% of our lending um, has been into uh, disadvantaged communities. So to date, we've done about 420 million in commercial loans that support green lending. And this also includes renewable energy. Um, during the PPP uh, loans, we did about $7 million in, lo- in for- forgivable loans to environmental organizations. We also provide auto loans for electric vehicles. And soon, uh, we'll also be providing energy efficiency home improvement lending as well. Also, sustainable and healthy food options. We have partnered with an organization in Inglewood where we provided a loan to them. They're looking to provide more healthy food options um, in their community. A lot of times for the neighborhood corner store, you know, you might be able to buy chips or prepackaged foods. Um, so we're working with community stores, bodegas, to help them provide more healthy food options in their communities. Karen, your reaction to what Kimberly's described here? It's a real, really practical example of dollars being recycled in the economy and how that happens and thinking about the intentionality of what does a, a thriving economy look like? What does a healthy community look like? And uh, the idea that the lending portfolio can be embedded in that system of, you know, do you have a healthy, safe place to live? And is it lower carbon, which means you pay less for your bills, for electricity and heat? You know, is there healthy, sustainable food available? Those are really interesting questions that have behind them businesses and nonprofits that need lending. And that's actually where the deposits can play a part. Todd, what do you think? Anything to add about the the role of keeping money local to address climate change? I love all the examples that we were just mentioned. And what I really like about it, too, is that it shows the full spectrum of benefits for the local community. It's not just about climate or the environment. It's about health and equity and jobs. And so, yeah, I love the example of looking into your local credit union, your local bank as being an option if you're thinking about how to make your money more climate friendly. Yeah, if someone is considering looking into their bank's practices, Todd, what's your advice for them? Just get started. I think, you know, there's a lot of information online, some information online, I will say. Um, But again, don't be afraid to just pick up the phone, call your bank, go and stop by and visit your bank. You know, switching banks, it's a relatively easy thing that we can all be doing that has a huge impact on the climate and the environment. Can you walk us through the Bank for Good resource? Bankforgood.org is a website. I'm not created by Project Drawdown, I should say, but um, something that's extremely useful when it comes to finding a new bank. There's a switch your bank uh, button in the upper right corner of the website, and it allows you to choose different options. You know, are you looking for online banking? Mm-hmm. Is mobile banking really important to you? You know, different fe- different features you might be looking. Are you looking for something that's more local or national bank? So that's a really great resource if you want to get started in this process too. 
good to know. And, and folks listening, Karen, they may be thinking, hey, this isn't fair. This is just on the individual. Are there ways that nonprofits and, and big companies can be engaging in this work too? Absolutely. Certainly there's a role for the individual, but the idea of deposits, deposits can come from anywhere. So any organization with banking has deposits that are being held somewhere mm -hmm. and it's a similar story. Are those deposits creating the world that that organization wants? So moving deposits or engaging the bank where they currently sit, mm -hmm. those are both pathways that any organization can take as what well about, as the individual. What about states? Absolutely. It's similar in terms of how they're banking. What's also interesting is states and Illinois included create programs where they may actually put deposits in an institution and then simply ask for a lower interest rate. So your deposits pay you with that interest rate. That's how the bank incents money. Um, and some of the states will actually ask for a lower interest rate so that those community development financial institutions or credit unions then can do even more lending. So states can do it um, and there are even ways for them to scale their impact by asking for less in deposits in the interest rate. So Todd, leave us with this. Is the goal here to encourage all banks to support fossil free lending? I think the goal is to have banks truly understand that it's not just the direct emissions of their operations that are the issue here. It's the full spectrum. It's the direct and the indirect. So it's really, it's their, their, it's how their operations are run, but it's what they're also financing out in the larger world that's really the issue here. And we need a much bigger, much quicker, uh, much larger investment if we're going to make this transition to a clean energy future. That's really, that's really important. That's Todd Rubold, Communications Director of Project Drawdown, Kimberly Jones of Self-Help Federal Credit Union, and Karen Weigert, Reset's Sustainability Contributor. Thank you all. Thanks so much. Thank you.